<laughs> I like how when, El- when Elliot's on time, he points out to all of us. Like right away in the chat. Oh, look at this. Let me just take this for a sec. Look at this. I'm on time. I've arrived. Hello, Elliot Freeman. Elliot and what has become a yearly tradition here at 31 Thoughts, the podcast. In advance of the opening of the season, we will blaze through all 31 teams. And Elliot, give us a snapshot of where they're at, what the questions are with all of them. Okay. Uh, I don't want to waste anyone's time with a big preamble here. We have a lot to get to. 31 teams. We're going to go division by division. We'll start in the East and the Boston Bruins. No Zidane Chara. They do bring in Craig Smith. There's a lot of question marks about the bees. Where are they? So Sportsnet did a thing where they asked us for our preseason predictions. What team you think will be the biggest disappointment? Who did you put? I put Islanders. Okay. I didn't check the results, but when I was just, you know, throwing some ideas back and forth with some people, I know a few of them were considering Boston. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of respect for the Bruins and what they do and the culture they've created and what they've built up there. But what has happened this offseason is thrown a lot of that into what exactly is going on here? And I think some of it was, you know, the Bruins took a long look at, okay, do we have to start preparing for the changing of the core? You know, one of their most important cultural players is gone now. And, you know, who knows where we're going to be with a couple others after this season. So, and also it just looks like they're not in a position to spend a ton of money. So I think for the first time in a long time, people are looking at Boston and saying, what do we have here? Where are they going here? And maybe it's something as simple as once the crowds start coming back, whatever financial shackles they may have go away. But I think there's an uncertain feeling about the Bruins that hasn't existed in a long time. I was looking at the odds. You know, I wrote at the top of the blog on Tuesday about just some odds to look at. I was actually surprised that in a couple of the websites I looked at, the Bruins were the favorite in the East Division. Hmm. And I think that shows the respect they have, but I think there's a wariness uh, about them. I do want to say that um, I think Craig Smith was quietly one of the best signings in free agency. I think he's a really good player, and I think in Boston, more people are going to see him. I just think we're all kind of looking at them like, Where are they right now? What's the identity? You're looking for them to turn the page because a couple of things. One, Chara is no longer there. David Krejci has one more season before free agency and ditto for Tuka Rask as well. Patrice Bergeron at 35 has two more years remaining before he's an unrestricted free agent. So you're starting to see, and maybe a lot of this is like, look, give these guys, these guys have earned a chance for one more shot at it until we start to tear this down. And that might be true with the Boston Bruins. But I think you're looking at the ages and the contract expirations and saying, this might be it for this version of the Boston Bruins. Maybe we've already seen it. Maybe we already saw that in the bubble. And that was a last hurrah. But I think we're starting to see the sun set on this version of the Bruins. If even so gently, at least the sun is starting to go down. Yeah, I I think we are all starting to wonder about that a little bit. Like, I wasn't convinced that Rask was going to play after this year. There seems to be a growing feeling that there's a deal to be made there between him and the Bruins to extend. We'll see where it goes. 
I think for the first time in a long time, there's a little bit of uncertainty as to where this organization is pointed. All right. The Buffalo Sabres, uh, they bring in Taylor Hall. That was a huge splash. Eric Stahl comes in to play behind Jack Eichel in the number two center hole. Um, Riley Sheehan, I mean, they still haven't done anything about the net minding or the defense. Where is Elliot Friedman at with the Buffalo Sabres? You know, in almost any other division, I might pick them to surprise. I just don't like them in this division. <laughs> it's a tough division, man. It's awful. Two really good teams are going to miss the playoffs. Yep. At least. You know, there might be more. I like the moves Buffalo made. I'm with you. I'm still not certain about them in goal, but I, I like the moves that Buffalo made. I, I think they're on paper a better team. I like the Hall move. I like the Eric Stahl move. I think it's really important that Deline take a big step this year. Mm-hmm. You know, Eichel took that big step last year. People look at Eichel differently now. I think that that's the same thing that has to happen with Deline. I think they're deeper. You know, the Skinner thing on the fourth line, I mean, it's an eyebrow raiser. Yeah. You know, last year you would have looked at it and said, you know, they can't let that happen. This year you can almost look at them and saying, you know, they can they can handle it because they're deeper. Even though that's not where you want him to be, mm-hmm. you can look at it from a merit point of view and say, you know what? Like, it actually makes sense, although you want him to sort it out. I don't like them in this division. Like, every year I, I kind of look at teams and say, if I have any guts at all, I would pick them to do well. I think in a normal season, Buffalo might that be that team. I just think the odds are so long there. I'll tell you what, a lot of smiles around the Buffalo Sabres at the World of Juniors this year with Dylan Cousins. Yeah. Like, if they think that they missed on Casey Middlestat, they did not miss on Dylan Cousins. I know his game, he didn't have the best of all possible games in that gold medal game against the United States, but up until then, he was phenomenal. Yeah. For Team Canada. They're feeling good there. Uh, New Jersey Devils. And the big story of recent note for the Devils is the retirement of Corey Crawford. Uh, We talked plenty in previous podcasts about it. Uh, It's a team that now turns its attention specifically to Mackenzie Blackwood to shoulder most of the load. Uh, They bring in Ryan Murray, uh, sign Sammy Vatanen. Your thoughts on A, Corey Crawford, and B, the New Jersey Devils. Well, I mean, it was a tough thing for them with Crawford. You know, I I think that... uh, they were really hopeful for him. I thought it would have been a good goalie combination, Blackwood and Crawford. Like you yeah. and I are both Blackwood fans. Yep. I think Crawford would have been perfect for him. Spell him here and there. And also just, you know, Crawford was a competitor. And I really do believe that um, having him around would have helped Blackwood see uh, a high competitive level. Uh, they picked up Eric Comrie on waivers. I really hope this is a home for Comrie and it's not another yo-yo season for him where he's just bouncing around all over the place. One of the guys I'm I'm really fascinated to see this season is uh, P.K. Subban. Mm. All of a sudden, P.K. Subban is one year away from his contract being up. You know, he's in the second last year of that long deal. Yep. I think that he changed his, his workout routine. I, the concern was... You know, I got to tell you, Jeff, I, I never liked talking about players' workout routines because I was such a fat schlub myself for so long. But unfortunately, in this case, it was relevant because it made him too bulky and difficult to move and also affected his back. Like, he's changed a lot. I've heard he looks terrific. But again, like we just talked about Buffalo, it's brutal. They're in such a brutal spot. Like, you know, they could have the number one pick again. They could. Absolutely. 
Uh, so I think this year you're looking at guys like Jack Hughes. Does he take the next step? Jesper Bratt, he just signed or and you know he has to finish his quarantine and, and get his visa. Do all these guys take the next step? But I'm really curious about Subban. You know, he never would have thought that we were getting close to this, and he's a year away from unrestricted free agency. So I think this is a big season for him. From the Devils, we go to the Islanders. And the big story of recent note, of course, Matthew Barzal in the three-year contract. Not much by way of new moves. There's going to be a lot considering that Devon Taves is no longer part of that blue line. I think we're going to make a lot about the maturation and development of players like Noah Dobson, specifically on that back end. What say you about the Islanders? I like the Islanders' culture a lot. I like their group a lot. And I'm really curious to see Sorokin because I've heard really good things about him as a goalie. People love him there too, by the way. Yeah. He's really really entertaining interviews. The reviews on him are excellent. And one of the reasons I liked them in the return to play was because they have structure. You always know what they are. And I didn't know that they would go to the Eastern Conference Final last summer, but I did think they would be a problem just because in a chaotic time, they always know what their roles are. I do this, you do that, you're here, I'm there, Mm -hmm. I'm this role, you're that role. I think that works in chaos. So when I see them right now at a really difficult time, and, you know, who knows how the schedule is going to work? Who knows who's going to be available for what game? Like all of this stuff, I think it plays into their strengths. Now, again, it's a tough division and two good teams are going to move. But I, I think this is set up for a team like the Islanders to again overachieve. Like Nick Nurse, he always talks about what it was like to coach in like the minor leagues or in Europe. And he said that, when, when he had Kawhi Leonard taking nights off for rest, he said, I was used to that because you never knew who was going to be in your lineup. And this isn't exactly the same, but it's you don't know who's going to be in your lineup, but you know when they go in, they're going to know what their role is, you know what they're supposed to do, and you know where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And when I look at them, I say, you know what the Islanders are going to be every night. And in a season like this one, that's valuable. It will be a button-down, efficient defense first squad. That's what we expect uh, from the Islanders, which is probably why they excelled so much in that really controlled sprint that we saw last year in the bubble. Okay, the Rangers. And once again, we have our eyes on not just a rookie, but two rookies, Alexi Lafreniere and the netminder, Igor Shishterkin. Thoughts on the Rangers? Did you see that tweet? The Rangers put out of Lafreniere running over people at uh, practice the other day. Yep. So someone was telling me that, like, you know, the guy who usually runs over people there is Kreider. And someone was telling me that Kreider was saying that Lafreniere is very difficult to hit. He's like a tank already. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious to see him. I like them. Now, the question is, last year, they surprised people. People weren't ready for them. Now, this year, it's going to be different. You know, people are going to be ready for them. And, you know, the goaltending is different for the first time in, what, 15 years? Lundqvist isn't there. Yeah. I always wonder, okay, the first year he's not there. Even if he wasn't Lundqvist like he was five, six years ago, he's still there. Like, you know what you've got there and you know his presence. 
Is it going to be different? Is there going to be a vacuum because it's going to be different without him? Like everybody who stepped up last year, now that they're going to be the target, is it going to be different? I don't see any reason this team can't win the division. I just think now, last year, nobody thought anything of them. Mm -hmm. How will they handle expectation? I'll tell you, not just to drill it down to one spot, but man, that left side looks fantastic. Between Panarin and Kreider and now Alexi Lafreniere, all of a sudden that left side is the envy of teams all over the NHL. Remember for how long, like the last generation of, of Rangers, it was all about uh, speed on the left side. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden you have a couple, I mean, you have Kreider who's uh, a tank and you have Alexi Lafreniere whose skill set does have some overlap to him. Um, but has, you know, better puck skills. And then you have Artemi Panarin, who's been one of the top five players the last three years in the NHL and made some noise for the Hart Trophy this past season. That left side looks lethal, Elliot. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I'm not in the minority here. Loved watching Rangers games last year. You know, Mika Zibanejad had a great season. Panarin. Uh, was really happy with Ryan Strom. It was, it was a fun team. Philadelphia Flyers. Now, I know that Voracek and Vigneault aren't exactly on the same page uh, this season. Uh, How about Voracek trashing some guy on Twitter the other day? Oh, yeah. He's he's a different cat, man. He's That guy makes me laugh, man. He's really funny. Voracek's always been a, a different guy. I like the Flyers a lot. I like the Flyers to win this division. What do you say? I like the Flyers a lot, too. I, I think the respect for them has you know really grown. You know, Moran has to move to forward. Who does that? That's how deep they are. And I think they've got a lot of players. They've got a lot of prospects. And they've developed everybody the right way. Like they've given these guys a chance to earn their mistakes, learn from them. You know, Provorov, I saw, was, you know, basically 500 to one to win the Norris. Like, would anybody be surprised if that guy wins the Norris this year? No one would be surprised. No one should be surprised if you're paying attention. Carter Hart is a burgeoning star. They've got, you know, Konechny, Lawton, like all these guys coming. And I think what it's done is for so many years, Philly was Giroux and Voracek and dragging everybody else into the fight and hopefully were there to now it's, I don't want to call them support players because I don't think that's right, but it's not solely on them anymore. Yeah, it's not just about those guys dragging everyone into the fight. It's all those guys who needed to get ready. They're in the fight alongside them. And, you know, I had someone say to me, well, Giroux and Voracek, they don't have the impact they used to. And, you know, you always want these guys to have the impact, right? But they don't need to. They've got to be good because it's important for everybody to be good. But they don't have to carry that organization anymore. A couple of things there. One, I know I discussed about the Rangers' left side. The Flyers' right side, to me, looks real strong. And, you know, Vigneault telling Voracek, you've got to, I'll paraphrase here, you have to earn your ice time or something like that. We're not going to give you anything. If you're Voracek, you're looking above you on the right side and you're seeing Joel Farabee, who's been a revelation for the Philadelphia Flyers. And then above him, you have Travis Konechny, whom you just referenced. That is a legit strong right side. And then bonus to all of this. Mm-hmm. If Nolan Patrick can stay healthy, 
Yeah, that's a big one. All of a sudden, down the middle, uh, you have Sean Couturier and Kevin Hayes, and then Nolan Patrick's your third-line center. Scott Lawton's your fourth-line center. That's some depth there for each. That looks real good. You know, I got to tell you, Hayes is a better player than I thought. Just not fast, so he's not that flashy, right? Yeah, like... I remember though when that contract was signed, I was like, like, and also because it just didn't work for him in Winnipeg, and I was like, what do they see here that we're missing? Like, I watching him last year, he was he was better than I thought. I give him credit. New faces in Pittsburgh, whether it's Kapanen or Matheson or Jankowski or CC or Rodriguez. What's up with the Penguins, Elliot? I have no idea of what to expect from these guys this year. They could finish first. They could finish sixth. And it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I don't bet against Crosby. I don't like to bet against Crosby. I don't know what to expect from these guys. They came back from into the bubble last year. They had no juice. They just weren't there. And they've made changes. You know, the GM loves to make changes. There's no question about it. That's why we all love him. I know they felt that, you know, Matt Murray wasn't the guy anymore. I don't know. Like, Jeff, I know I'm supposed to be this magnificent insider with lots of great thoughts on every team. I have no clue what to expect from these guys this year. Here's what I've always said about the Pittsburgh Penguins. I shouldn't say always said. Well, the one thing that I've noticed over the past few seasons, and I've, I think I've talked about it with you here on this podcast before. I don't know that I've seen a team as highly skilled as the Pittsburgh Penguins are and have been that need to work as hard as they do to get anywhere. Normally when you have a team loaded with skill like Pittsburgh has had, you can take the foot off the pedal and still coast to some victories. That doesn't happen with this Penguins team. If they take the foot off the pedal at all, it seems as if it all falls apart. I don't know what that means. I don't know. I don't know what the next step of that analysis is. All I know is this is a team that's loaded with skill, but if they don't work hard, it all crumbles. But when they do work, it's a glorious team to watch. Yeah. It is a beautiful team to watch. Like, I don't know that I've seen, like I've ever in all my history of watching hockey, seen a team like this. Loaded with skill, but can't cruise on it, ever. I don't know what the next part of that conversation is, though. That's my only observation about Pittsburgh. In the last 10 to 12 years, they, they go through interesting phases, right? Yeah. Where they look great, and then they go stale. They were on the upswing. They won the cup. Even after the cup, I thought they were good for a couple years, but then they kind of went stale. We all thought it was over for them. They had a couple of coaching changes. Sullivan got in there. They revived. They went back to back. And you're right. They grinded their way and they went stale again. Like last year, that bubble performance was as disappointing by any team as was there. They lost to a 20. They got swept by a 24. So I, I don't know. Like, did this breathe new excitement into them? Are the changes going to make them a different, better, more energized team? I don't know what to make of them. They just seem to not mesh with each other 
like we talked about the Islanders, mm-hmm. like they always find a way to get in their roles and mesh. Pittsburgh, when they're not going well, they're like the exact opposite of that. They're the unmeshables. <laughs> Jeff, of all the teams in the league, it's the, they're the toughest one for me to look at going in and saying they're going to be this. Mm-hmm. Really, I, I'm, if I was to rank them all from 1 to 31 of how I have a feel for them, they'd be 31. If you were someone that just looked at aging curves, you'd say to yourself, they're just getting too old and they can't do it. But I don't believe that about players like Crosby and Malkin and Latang to a lesser extent. Latang is different though. Like his his body has been through an awful lot. That guy has given everything to Pittsburgh. And, and not to say that anyone else hasn't. You know, Crosby obviously went through a lot too. But Crosby kind of figured out his body and has been on a straight path for a while. Latang, he just gets injured all the time. He's such a gamer. Mm-hmm. I hate to count him out. But man, that body has taken a beating. So one of the things I can recall the last time they won the Stanley Cup, I remember talking to someone on the squad and I said, you know, what's the secret sauce? Like, what do you guys do better than anybody else? Like, how do you, how do you, like, show me something that you guys do better than anyone that led you to the Stanley Cup? And he said, it's something that's really simple but you have to really trust other players to do it. I said, what's that? And he said, go look at the lion's share of our goals. He said, when the puck is coming out of the other team's end, our defensemen drop down. One defenseman will drop down, not to try to get the puck, but just to slow down the player coming out of the other zone. Get a stick in there. It doesn't matter if you force a turnover, just slow it down interfere with it a little bit just get something in there you saw this on the hornquist game winner when the penguins beat the nashville predators you want to go look at what i'm talking about this is what i'm talking about so watch the exit our defenseman will drop down and the defensemen have to rely on that winger getting back to the neutral zone fast so when the puck is there our winger grabs it and we're right back in the offensive zone and we're right back on the attack but every defenseman has to have 100% faith in the winger that he's going to do it. And he said, look, we've all been all on the same page about it for the whole playoffs. So if you want to point to one thing, that's been our secret sauce. That's been what it is. I don't know that I see things like that with the Pittsburgh Penguins anymore. Do you? I think that's very well put. Like, like I said, you know, they're going to be one of the more fascinating teams around. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know what to expect from them. They play the first game right out of the gate. Yep. 5.30 Eastern on Wednesday, Pittsburgh, Philly. Oof. I know that's not a sports – it's on Sportsnet. It's not a game we're working, but I'm going to be glued to that. I'm really going to be curious to see what we get. Keystone State, let's get going. Um, And the one team that Pittsburgh, this generation of the Pittsburgh Penguins, will forever be married to, whether it's because of 87 in the grade eights, Uh, the Washington Capitals. And the big move is the big man. Chara is in. We all know what happened to Henrik Lundqvist. So they're going to go with the young goaltender, Samsonov and Vanacek. Connor Sheary comes in. We just mentioned the Pittsburgh Penguins a second ago. What do you expect from the Caps? Did you read the blog today? I did. 
Well, you should. If you didn't, I was going to be very upset at you. Hmm. So I, I took a look at some odds and I said, okay, you know, here's some that really surprised me. If you rank the teams in that East Division, Washington was ranked fifth. Boston was ahead of them. Yep. Philly was ahead of them. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was ahead of them. And they were tied with the Rangers. Yeah. The Islanders were just behind them. So tied for fourth. Like, does that seem wrong to you? It does. To me, I look at this division and it screams two things at the top. Apologies, Boston and Pittsburgh. It screams Philly and Washington to me. You see, we talked about how bad Pittsburgh looked in the bubble. Washington did too. I'll tell you this. Someone there told me, and they couldn't say it publicly, and I think I've referenced this on in, in both the podcast and the blog before, that they looked at the way they were practicing in the return to play even before they got to Toronto, and they were like, we're doomed. And, you know, the Islanders took them apart, and they went out and they got LaViolette, and they're going to be different. I like them. I do believe in the goalie. I think Samsonov is, is a good goalie. I'm concerned about the backup right now. I wouldn't, you know, they've got Craig Anderson there. It wouldn't surprise me if they go out and get someone else at some point just to kind of see, you know, how they are. But I look at that team top to bottom, especially with Chara there. I think they're going to be really hungry. I think they could win it all this year. I really do. But to me, the other guy who's got to come back is Kuznetsov. You know, any Capital fan will tell you that one of the major reasons they won the Stanley Cup was Kuznetsov was a horse in that playoff. He was a difference maker. He has to get back to that. He has not been that player since. He has got to get back there. And I look at them. I think they can win it all. But they're going to need Kuznetsov to get there, and they're going to need to rediscover what they were missing last year. Short term, we've seen this before from Peter LaViolette. Initial success, and one of the keys is shot suppression. So if you have two young goaltenders, like I can recall when uh, when he got the Nashville job, here's Pekarine, who's used to, you know, volume of shots, 40-45 a night, and all of a sudden he's struggling because he's not getting warmed up to the puck because there's not that volume of shot anymore under the Peter Laviolette system. And a player like Matthias Ekholm, who is one of, if not maybe the best in the game at suppressing shots, uh, becomes a star on that blue line. That's why I look at that coach and I look at that team and I say, that's hand to glove for what this team needs right now. Okay, so there you go. Uh, Zamboni's off the ice. Uh, the flood is done. We're all warmed up. Welcome to 31 Thoughts, the podcast. The Central is next. We'll let the ice dry a little bit and go. Elliot Friedman, we move now to the Central Division, where a team that I've stopped picking because the longest time it was the hipster pick, and then it stopped being the hipster pick, and maybe it is the hipster pick again now that they've had a little bit of a dip the past couple of seasons, although there have been some great individual performances, the Carolina Hurricanes. See, I think the Hurricanes are pretty good. It's going to be interesting because they have some. They have two big negotiations to come. Svechnikov, 
Oof. who's already turned Oof. down a massive deal from them, 60 million, said no. Because I think he wants to bet short-term than long-term. Right. And they've got to do Dougie Hamilton too. And Dougie Hamilton, I think, wants a big deal too. And his numbers have shown that he's going to get it. Whether they give it to him or not, he's going to get it. And plus also, they've got to do a new deal with Brindamore also. So this is this is a big year for Carolina. They're going to have some some big decisions to make after this. I'm still, like most people, I'm not crazy about their goaltending. Of course. But I like their team. I like To me, this division is wide open. I think you've got a lot of different teams that can go in a lot of different ways here. But I like the Hurricanes. I like Aho. Oh, fantastic. I think they've got a lot of really good players there who fit a role. Their coach knows how to get them to play. And I think there will be a little bit of a sense of urgency here, knowing that they're going to have to make some changes after this year based on you know, what's Svechnikov going to sign for and what are they going to do with Dougie Hamilton. You know, the biggest contract they gave out was dictated by Montreal. It's not like they're afraid to pay. They do pay. They just want to keep it in an area, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they got a couple potential salary busters here. And and I think that will convince them that this has got to be an important year for them. Oh, first of all, it's one of my most watchable teams. Yeah, they are fun to watch. Uh, they, they are just a flat-out fun team to watch. Um, Svechnikov is fun to watch. Aho is fun to watch. When they put Aho, Teravainen, and Svechnikov together, like with all due respect to you know the perfection line in Colorado, we see you too, that might be the best line in the entire NHL. Like that, That's how they move the puck. Dougie Hamilton, we've talked about him one-timing the puck before and no one does it smoother. But to me, one of the more unique players in the entire game, and I don't know how to describe him other than he is a new school version of an old school player, is Jacob Slavin. Because here's not someone that's going to put up, you know, 60 points in a season or 70 points in a season. He's not going to win the Norris that way. But he is the new school version of the defensive defenseman. And whenever I watch him play, I'm like, you look at old school defensemen, this is the new version of what the old school guys love. Here's a defenseman that has the nerve to focus on defense, period. And the secret's out, right? Like, there's no more secrets about Jacob Slavin. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows now. A lot of those guys, they aren't, Ajo's not a secret. Warren Fogel a secret still? How versatile that guy is, a Swiss Army knife on the team? Yeah, I would say he is. But Svech, I think even Svechnikov did not, you know, until he scored the lacrosse goal, yeah. there were a lot of doubters. None now. Now the guy's a stud. I mean, look, we all know what's happened with Hamilton. He's always going to be a polarizing guy, but <laughs> that's life. Yep. Everybody knows Pesci. They're a good team. I just think that this is a big year because they're going to have to make some big decisions after. Do you think they can beat Tampa on a seven-game series? I think they're a see. <laughs> I think they're a better regular season team, more so because Tampa has taken a knee because of injuries, etc. Yeah, I just don't know about the playoffs. And to me, that'll come down to goaltending, and I'll take Tampa all day long in that one. All roads through this division go through Tampa. First of all, you have to get there to play them. That's number one. 
Yeah. But number two, you know, you know how that you got to beat that team in a seven game series. Get to Tampa here in a sec. Uh, Chicago, we talked the last couple of times about down the middle, what it looks like with the uh, situation with Jonathan Taves and Kirby Doc. Jeremy Colleton gets a two year contract extension, some new faces in, including Nikita Zadorov, Matthias Janmark, uh, Carl Soderberg comes in. Though he's not there yet. Not there yet, but this is a team that is headed, I mean, it's headed for the lottery, Elliot. Absolutely. And you know what? Like, I, we haven't been able to say this for about Chicago in a long time, but it's probably them in Detroit at the bottom of the division. Yes. So I thought the most interesting thing about Cullen getting two years is now up at the same time are Stan Bowman, Jeremy Cullen, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, and get well soon, Jonathan Taves. Yeah. What does that tell you? Is that, is that deliberate? Yes, I think it is deliberate. I think it is. Let's see where this group is in two years, and we'll start to make some decisions. Now, the one thing I'm kind of wondering about here, and, and I and I don't want to go out of control on it because I just don't know, is what's going on with Seabrook? In what sense? He hasn't been around. Yeah. I don't want to guess. I'm not guessing. I don't know. I don't know if it's a COVID-related situation. I hope not. You know, we'll start finding out during the season because they're going to start naming players who are out because of COVID or contact tracing. Mm -hmm. But we all know that, you know, Seabrook was hurt, didn't play in the return to play, went out of his way to get healthy. You look at their situation and you could see where they're kind of saying there's not room for him to play here. And you know what pride that guy has and how much he cares. Oh, yeah. I just don't know where that's going to go. He's got three years left. And it's sort of a situation that Chicago has punted. They punted it last year to this year. And now we kind of don't know where it is. So it's just something worth watching because, you know, he's a guy who loves being a Blackhawk and, and he cares. But, you know, this team this year, um, you're hoping to bring cat bounces back and gives you some life. But, you're not counting on very much. Now you're looking at Doc and a high pick and DeBrinkat. Is that your next core of the Blackhawks? There's some younger defensemen you probably have to throw into that mix as well, don't you? Whether it's uh, Adam Boakfist or Ian Mitchell. you probably Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm talking about, you know, well, DeBrinkat and Doc have played, right? Like they've got a bit more of an NHL resume, even though Doc's only been around a year. Mm -hmm. You're kind of looking at that. You're right, but you're that's what you're kind of looking at. From Chicago, we go to Columbus, uh, and everything around the Blue Jackets these days involves Pierre-Luc Dubois. You know, they brought in Domi in the Anderson trade, welcome Miko Koivu, Van Berg bought out. But right now, Columbus is all about what's next with Pierre-Luc Dubois. So what's next? So I really assume that this was going to be an in-season deal or an at-end-season deal, and that, you know, Yarmo Kekalainen was going to take his time. I heard, and and I really believe it, I think some teams have really stepped up. Jeff, I just think teams are here. They're saying guys like this don't become available and we're not screwing around. We're not going to hear that we weren't serious and the player went somewhere else. And I heard that Yarmo Kekalainen was surprised at some of the things that were being thrown his way. Like I, I think there are some teams who are saying we're willing to talk about good players. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I don't know where that stands. I don't know what that means. It's still Yarmo Kekalainen's timetable to decide. But I do think he's been thinking about it more in the past few days than maybe he thought he was going to. 
Like the one trade that guys still talk about was Joe Thornton's, right? Yes, and how he was limited. Yeah, like Boston picked San Jose and and that was it, right? And it's been 15 years, so you know there's a lot of GMs who aren't around anymore. But that story gets kind of passed down. Like if you find there's somebody out there like that, you have to be in on it and you have to be serious. And I think that's kind of where they are right now. I think teams are serious. I think Winnipeg and Montreal are there. I think there's teams that haven't been identified that are there. And at the very least, I think Kekalainen's got things to think about. I've just heard that things have gotten to him that I don't know if they're more than expected, but they at least have made him think. When you look at teams like Winnipeg and Montreal, here's my first thought on that. And here's perhaps why teams, in my mind, might be more aggressive right out of the gate this year instead of, you know, just playing footsies going into trade deadline. If you're Winnipeg or you're Montreal, you know that if you make that deal, you're still looking at a two-week quarantine. And you're not you're still not going to have the player for a while. I think you'd rather do it now. That's what I'm saying. Like, you want to yeah. get it done as early as possible. And that's why... You know, listen, we're playing Euchre. You're leading with the right bower. Here's our offer. Let's do this. We're not playing around. And I think there's truth to that, Jeff. I think the other thing that's going on here is that some of the teams kind of looked at it like, would we need LTI help? And Columbus can do that too with Dubinsky. Right. It's entirely possible that some of the teams who were looking at this were looking at it now. Because if you want to maximize your LTIR, you do it at the start of the season. And he's a player you can do that if you need to with. But I don't know. Like I don't profess to know which way Columbus is leaning, but I do know that they've been forced to think about it maybe a bit more in depth now. Okay, so outside of Pierre-Luc Dubois then, I mentioned Max Domi comes in. Miko Koivu comes in. What do you make of Columbus, the team now? What's John Tortorella dealing with? You know, the Dubois thing is interesting to me because let's just say you're, they decide to keep him, okay? Mm-hmm. Like in a lot of years, you'd be worried about your fan reaction and, you know, what the building's going to be like, you know, what's going to be yelled at him and stuff like that. But this year, you don't have to worry about that. But hang on a second. What happened to the Blue Jackets who, was it last year, said, you know, and they made a big stink about, we on, we're we only playing with guys that want to be here. Well, the the, <laughs> the thing about... I know it was damage control from Panarin and Bobrovsky, yeah. but still. But they'll rally around that again. You don't think that... You don't think that Tortorella is going to use that for them to rally around? It's just got to be such a difficult situation while he's there. Well, I think he'll be a pro. Oh, I have no doubt that he'll be a pro. Like everything about, and listen, I've followed this guy going going back to junior and everything about him is like, I remember he was like 17 years old and listening to trainers from opposition teams like Cape Breton would roll in and I'd talk to guys from other teams and they'd say like, you know, this kid, like this 16, 17 year old kid, like he does activation like he's a pro, like he's a, like he's a longtime NHLer. Like he's like they're, everything about like I'm with you. Everything about Pierre Luc Dubois is pro style, and those players will be pros because they've been through this before. Right. Tortorella, he talked about we're gonna bring this in the dressing room, right? You know, we're gonna we're gonna bring this out and we're gonna talk about this. Like I heard that meeting last year with Panarin and Bobrovsky when they talked about it. Like one of the players told me you have no idea that that was something else. 
So they don't hide. They get everything out there. I think they're going to be typical Columbus. They're going to fight and they're going to scrap for every inch of the ice. Mm -hmm. And they're going to make life really tough on you. How do you like them in this division? I think they're a playoff team. From the Blue Jackets, we go to the Stanley Cup finalists. And that is the Dallas Stars. And COVID was the story in training camp. No major moves in the offseason. And once again, we say with the Dallas Stars, they need healthy bodies. You know, they're starting the season. They're the, they're the first team to be shut down. I was re-listening to uh, Tyler Sagan's interview with us on the podcast. And, you know, what does he talk about? He talks about that the roller coaster year they had last year, mm-hmm. and they handled it because they're a really mature group, right? Mm-hmm. They went through a lot, and they could really handle it. So I think that bodes well for them right now. You know, they don't have Perry and they don't have Sagan. So those are two. And you know, Perry didn't have a great regular season last year, but it's part of the attitude, right? Sagan is, is a big loss for them. There's no question about it. But other than that, they have the same team and you know they're going to be really professional. I think they're going to be fine. As long as everybody stays to the same level they were last year, you know, the goaltending holds. Uh, Hayskin, I think, has a chance to win the Norris Trophy this year. Mm-hmm. As long as their defense continues to be a strength. You know, Alexiak keeps getting better. I think they're going to be fine. So does John Klingberg, 100%. Yeah. Uh, from Dallas to the Detroit Red Wings. Detroit, uh, with eyes once again at the draft, have six picks in the first three rounds. One in the first, three in the second, two in the second. Some of the offseason acquisitions as well scream deadline or in some situations maybe seattle vlad nemestikov bobby ryan uh, sam gagne mark stahl troy stetcher thomas grice what do you think about the red wings for each well the, the thing that last year that i think steve eiserman said was it's too easy here like it's too easy to play against us losses are too easy if we're gonna lose we gotta hold ourselves to a higher standard And I think that when you look at their team right now, they're just a better team. Are they going to finish higher than seventh? I don't know about that. But I think, you know, they're going to be better. You expect their best players to be better. Their D looks better. Obviously, I think with Grice, their goaltending looks better. You know, I had a couple of guys tell me they thought Juice was a a really good pickup. Mm -hmm. I just think that, as a team, what they've done is they've just, they've got more NHL players on the roster. And are they going to blow out anyone and win the division? No, but I, I just think they're going to be a better group. And, you know, I think that that's one thing. I think Eiserman looked at guys like Larkin and Manta, who are going to be key parts of their team for years to come, they hope, when they're good. And they said they, they can't lose this much and this easily. And I, I think that's the, that was his goal for this year, to, to make that better. I just want to watch more Ritz Cider play. And I don't think I'm alone in that one. Yeah, but you won't see him this year. No, I know. But I'm saying, like, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of players that Detroit has on the horizon. They have a lot of good players. And if they're in the lottery again, I mean, this is the year, by the way, that we're talking about. This is the year that if you want a defenseman, this is the year to get it. So load up on your first round picks. Uh, Florida Panthers, uh, new general manager, Bill Zito. Uh, we had Anthony DeClaire on the podcast not too long ago. Uh, Marcus Nudavara comes in, Radko Gudas. Uh, they pick up Noah Juleson, Gustav Forsling. Uh, Alex Venberg comes in as well. Thoughts on the Cats? The thing here is that 
they wanted to change their culture, right? I think they feel that it's too easy there. And, you know, what have they done? As you said, they've made a lot of changes. It looks like Keith Yandel, his games played streak, which is the fourth longest in NHL history and the longest among current players, is going to end. Very tough, tough spot for Yandel. I mean, you know how much how much that means to players when they play eight years in a row. Mm-hmm. I think the Panthers are a team that is saying it's been too easy here and we're going to change that. Like I, like the, the one thing here, there's, there's a middle, right? I think Tampa's at the top. I think Dallas is up there. I think Carolina is good. I think Columbus still has a chance to be good. I think Detroit and, and Chicago are probably at the bottom. But I think there's a middle ground in this division that could go in a lot of different ways. And I think Florida is one of those teams. Like, I think the Panthers looked at their roster and they said, we need to create more competition for jobs here. And I think that that's one of the kinds of things they said is that if you were here and you had a job, it's not guaranteed to you anymore. I think that's one of the reasons they traded Trocek. And now, you know, you see what's kind of happening with Yandel. He's in the second group. You know, they're trying to change themselves. And that's not, I don't believe, a one-season process. The big one is going to be Bobrovsky. Like, he just has to be better this year. And I'll tell you, I I spoke to one person who really loves Bobrovsky, and they said the culture shock for him from going with a team as disciplined to Columbus to undisciplined as Florida, it really threw him, and they think he'll be better. He's got to be. He's not skating. No, I know. So it it probably means Drieger starts the year, right? Or Montembeau? Yeah, it's it. I don't. I don't know. There's a silence around around goalie Bob right now. How does Yandel play out here? I mean, we've heard the we've heard the whispers going back to last season about Yandel. How does this play out? There was a rumor going around that he was in the doghouse even before Zito got hired. Okay, mm-hmm. like I don't think he wants to be traded. I think he wants to be in Florida. He signed there. He's happy there. I've heard his family loves it there. He wants to be there. I think some of this even predates uh, Bill Zito arriving. But last year when it really went bad for Florida in the bubble, you know, there were people who said to me, that's going to be one of the things that they do. Like the, they, were, they moved Trocek last year in a deal that surprised people. And then they said, that's the next guy who they're going to kind of look at. And I don't think he wants to go anywhere. He's signed there. He's happy there, like I said. And Yandel said today, he spoke to George Richards from Florida Hockey Now, and he said that they have never asked me to waive. Okay. Now, it's not like Yandel's not going to play. He's going to play. Yeah. But he's not in their top six. And not only was he not in their top six, but they've also picked up two guys on waivers which tells you what they think of their defense, not just Yandel. So they they pick up Forsling and they pick up Juleson from Montreal. So I think this is a team that is obviously looking for a different mix. Now, you can see the writing on the wall, and I think it's, it's a really difficult contract to move. I'd heard they talked to the Islanders about it. Like the Islanders were in a cap problem. And Yandel's got a big ticket, but if you take a couple of their salaries in exchange for taking Yandel's, could you ease up a little bit of cash for them? 
I think Florida was willing to do that. I heard it didn't go anywhere. I just think it's a really tough spot. I, I, I think that here's a guy who's very proud and Florida is trying to say this is a hockey decision. We just think that as we start the year, you're not one of our top six. See, here, here's always the thing, too. We've talked about this before. When you sign in a no-tax state, mm-hmm. getting no trades is pretty important because if he goes to a no, if he goes to a, sta- a taxed state now, whatever the deal is going to be, that's more off his paycheck. And that does happen. Nashville Predators. So in our predictions for Sportsnet.ca, Elliot, uh, the team that's going to surprise, I put in Nashville mm-hmm. because I still can't believe that a team with that much talent can underperform like we saw of recent note. You know, the interesting thing about Nashville is the whole time in the offseason, you know, we they made a couple moves at the beginning. They signed Mark Borowiecki and they signed Matt Benning for depth on the blue line. And, you know, they went out on draft day and they traded for Luke Cunning. They gave up Nick Benino. They signed uh, Brad Richardson. So they went for depth, right? And then everybody kept on saying, oh, they've got one big move coming. They've got one big move coming. And we kept on waiting and we kept on waiting and we kept on waiting and we kept on waiting. And they were in on Duclair. You know, I think they were in on Hoffman. They re-signed Granlin, which, you know, caught me a bit by surprise. They got Halla, which I thought was a, was a was a really good signing. You know, I think that what Nashville has done is they've said to their biggest guys, you got to carry the load. Mm-hmm. We pay you this much money for a reason, and you got to carry the load. Like, no question about Yossi. He was very deserving for the Norris last year, and Ryan Ellis, he always gives them everything he has. But I think they're challenging their top players to say, forwards, to say, look, you guys are our big-ticket guys. You can't keep doing this every year. You guys have to deliver for us. And they're a little deeper, and they should be a little bit better. Again, I, I think they've said to these guys, Johansson and Duchesne, you got to be our guys. They've got to be the guys, but who's the most, like when you look at this team, like when you look at the forward group, like just focus on the forward group. Yeah. Who do you think the most skilled player is? Because to me, I see Philip Forsberg. Well, I, I meant to put Forsberg in that group. As, okay, as, there, as, I was no going to say, like I look at Forsberg and I say to myself, this guy has the skill to score 40 goals every year. Yeah, I should have put him in there. I, I completely agree with you. I just looked at the guys making eight. I didn't look at the guy making six. Yeah. Like, I know there are a lot of guys on the big tickets that, that aren't performing, but I, I, I'm not going to pin the whole thing on Philip Forsberg. He has been there for a while, though. I look at him and I say, this guy's got 40 goals in him every single season. But I, I think that's what Nashville has said is, you guys have to carry the mail for us again. Arvidsson too. Like I, I like Arvidsson a lot. He was yes. himself last year. As injured, he was. He was. He was injured. Yeah. He was injured. So when he comes back, is is he going to be himself again? Like you know, like I like those little death moves. I, I thought Borowiecki. I thought Banning. Like I like Richardson. I like Halla. I think they did a lot of the things around the edges that are going to be very good. But your big guys have to carry the mail. Is this the last year for Rene? Well, who played more games last year in the regular season? Wasn't Pekka Rene? No. 
Uh, to Tampa, uh, we made a lot about the salary cap pretzel and the Kucherov injury helped, but uh, Brisebois got himself out of it. Uh, but there are injury concerns. Are there Stanley Cup hangover concerns? We know, you know, like with Dallas, like it's a banged up team, and that's what they're carrying into this season outside of uh, uh, of coronavirus. But when you look at Tampa. It wasn't that long ago they lifted the Stanley Cup and they have guys that are banged up too and guys that are rehabbing injuries. Do we look at Stanley Cup hangover for the Tampa Bay Lightning, at least in the short term here? I don't worry about these guys. I think they're a pretty mature group. Like, you know, the thing about last year, I look back and I rewatch some of their games from the, from the, the playoffs. And you know what they really did that they didn't get enough credit for is... There were nights that they said, okay, we'll let you dictate the tempo. Like, you play the way you want to play. And they'd beat you at that game. You know, a lot of times they would impose their own will. But there were nights where other teams got on them and they said, oh, you want to play this way? I mean, we'll we'll handle that. And we'll beat you at that. That was so impressed with them at that. that that's my Islanders. That's, that's, yes, that's a team that did that. The Dynasty Islanders are exactly what you're talking about. Like, that's exactly how they played. Like, there would be times where they'd come out and they'd squish the bug. Other times, you'd be like, okay, so you want to play a rugged game? That's cool. Gary Howitt, Bob Nystrom, Clark Gillies. You want to play a skill game? Well, you know, here's Mike Bossy. Here's Brian Trotch. Like, they had a Denny Pod fan who could do all of it. They had something for every situation. And I thought that's what made the that's what made the Islanders great. And that's why I love Tampa last year. I'm with you. And you know what? The thing is, like, what's a Stanley Cup hangover now? What is that? Like, we're in a hellscape right now. Like, what's a Stanley <laughs> Cup hangover? That's fair. Uh, all right, so we'll see what happens with Tampa. Now, we move along uh, to the West, and we'll start with Dallas Aikens' squad. You like them to surprise the Anaheim Well, just, you have to pick a surprise team, right? Yeah. So I, this is the way I look at this division. I see three teams that are going to make the playoffs as for sure as I'm willing to bet. Colorado, Vegas, and St. Louis. And then what? What do you got after that? Mm-hmm. I think Gibson could win the Vesna. You've got improving Minnesota Wild team. Mm-hmm. I have no clue what San Jose is going to come out with. Absolutely. I have no idea. Los Angeles is getting faster, and they have a lot of kids, so who knows there? Yeah, maybe Anaheim. If you were to tell me that any one of those five teams is going to be the fourth playoff team, I'd say okay. Yeah. But look at this. So I look at I look at Gibson. I like their D. Now the question is, are they going to get some scoring? Raquel was not himself last year. He can't be like that again. He's got to be better. But Jones has got to take the step. Like you know, Heinen's got to take the step. Troy Terry's got to take the step. All of a sudden, this is the last year of Ryan Getz's last contract. Correct. And, you know, he's really tied at the hip with with Bob Murray. Getzlaff is the one guy that that Murray really talks to there. Like, If you ask the guys who've played there, like, oh, those two are tied at the hip. They discuss everything together. So, I mean, Getzlaff obviously plays a huge role there. I like them from goaltending out. Can they score? I don't know if they can score. But... If you believe that defense can win you enough games to get in in the regular season, I think Anaheim could be that team. 
Arizona. Uh, they bring in Derek Broussard. Big game brass. Uh, that's right. Big game indeed. Um, does Barrett Hayton turn himself into that, you know, uh, legit NHLer like they uh, believe high end uh, that would justify the draft position? Uh, what's happening with the blue line? We know the goaltenders are good. Darcy Kempfer and Antti Ranta. What is up with the Coyotes' fridge? Well, they're, they're another team you, you you just don't know top to bottom. Like all offseason, they talked about moving out money, stripping it down, and then it didn't happen, partially because it's so hard to move money right now. They've got great goaltending. You know, Kemper had a great year last year. Maybe he wins the Vesna if he doesn't get hurt. He was that good. Christmas time, we were all talking about it. You know, I think some of their young players have taken steps. Chikrin, I think, has taken a step. Garland has obviously taken a step. Hayton, you hope he'll take a step this year. But, you know, I, I think they got two guys there who you're looking at and saying, guys, like, it's time, and that's Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz. Uh, you know, regardless of how Arizona does, if those two guys take steps this year, it's a win. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll tell you this, Tockett's in the last year of his deal, too. I always wonder whenever a new GM comes in, you know, what does it mean? But I think that the most important thing you need if you're Arizona is Keller and Schmaltz to take those steps this year. Colorado Avalanche, uh, already a legit... Stanley Cup or bust. Well, that's just it, right? Because already a legitimate threat uh, to win a Stanley Cup. And then they go out and add Brandon Saad and Devon Taves. Uh, the only question mark, goaltending, Fridge? Yeah, I, I, I could see them adding someone at some point if they don't like what they're seeing. Look, like, Byram's going to play. You know, the other thing I heard was a guy that you know well, Timmons, looks like he's really come on to. I mean, that guy's been through a lot. I really root for him. Connor Timmons. I, <laughs> you know how I pride myself in the minutia of uh, stats of stats about prospects? Yeah. Has one blue eye and one brown eye. That's what I can give you about Connor Timmons. Who is he, Kate Beckinsale? <laughs> but he's good too. Dad went to Cornell. Big Red Meats is the name of the shop. Used to... Never remember I talked checking in in, uh, in Sault Ste. Marie and uh, Connor Timmons' dad at every single game would like fly in, drive wherever to go to go watch his son. Good prospect, like and you're right, like has been through a ton physically to get there. It's Stanley Cup or bust. Yeah, they're going for it. They're in all the way. I wouldn't be surprised if they add. Then let's move to L.A. and they got quicker with Andreas Athanasiu. Uh, they bring in Olimata on the blue line. You know, young kids. Whether it's uh, Gabe Velarde, uh, former Windsor Spitfire, dots down, an outstanding player. Quentin Byfield, Alex Turcotte on the horizon. Like there are some players coming for the Los Angeles Kings. We know that they have a great prospect pool. How close are they to winning, though, Frege? And are you starting to see the ends of the rebuild? Yeah, well, I, I think you're kind of in the middle of it now. Like you, you what you got is you you got all these players, and you know not all of them are going to be great. But you're like thinking, okay, I just need a few of them to be great. Now, I'm curious about Byfield. How's he going to look in the NHL? Mm-hmm. You want to see a lot of these guys take steps? Doughty, I I freaking love Doughty. I wish everybody was like Doughty. <laughs> he's mad he's not on Team Canada rosters. Yeah, I love it. You I know, love it. I love know, it. How I does he play? It. I think this team is going to make life difficult on some opponents because if you get them on a night where all their kids are really going, 
they're going to be a lot to handle, but there's going to be nights where all their kids aren't going, right? Sure. Look, I don't think it's likely they're the fourth team. It's wide open. You know, I just think that you're looking at them saying, do your young players all get better this year? Mm -hmm. Does Doughty show that he's himself again? Those are your victories this season. I'm curious about Tobias Bjornfort. Name them all. Like I'm curious. No, but I mean, like he was on the team. Like he's he's, again, beginning of like that was one of the surprises. Yep. And then played in the American League. Like that's. I love LA because of what you're just talking about. So many question marks. I want to see is how much is Turcotte going to play this year? How much is Kaliev going to play this year? How much is Byfield going to play this year? How much is Kupari going to play? How much is Akil Thomas going to play? Those are all the forwards. I, you, you know, Bjornfort's a, a, a defenseman. But how much are all these guys going to play? On a night where LA is on TV, I'm going to be as much looking about, like, okay, who's in the lineup as, yeah. you know, what's happening. I want to see all these guys play. I also want to see Kirill Kaprizov play. Let's get to Minnesota. Yes. And we've talked a lot about him heading into the season. Minnesota's waited a long time, and now all of a sudden, you know, does Minnesota have the guy that for the first time since Marion Gabrick, we can say they have a Calder Trophy candidates? Yeah, I, you know, his odds were were too low. You know, I, I didn't put them in my odds to look like because they were just too obvious, right? Yep. I'm curious to see him. I'll, I'll be tuned in to Minnesota's first game to see him for sure. I'm as eager as anyone else to see this guy play this year and see where it goes. Like, this is a guy... That they're not only hoping he's good, but they're hoping that he can breathe new life into their franchise. Mm-hmm. Like they got stale and he's there to breathe life in there as much as anything else. Again, their D is really good. They've got a great defense. I don't know what to make of the goaltending. I don't know how much they're going to score. I mean, that's the one thing I, I, I see when I when I think of Kaprizov is, does he have enough around him? Because like, he's going to be the target. Every team that plays in Minnesota is going to look at him and say, that's the guy we got to stop. Yep. So does he have enough around him that's going to help them score? That's my question about these guys. Does he breathe new life that injects a team that really need it? And also, can they score? I still think they got, and this is not exactly a revelation, problems down the middle. The the center spot, whether it's... Yeah, they, they were definitely looking for a center. Bukestad, Benino, Erickson X, been, like, they've wanted him to be that guy for the longest time. Victor Rask, go, go right down. Nico Sturm, like they've, they're in a tough spot. You know, maybe long-term Marco Rossi is going to be that guy. Don't know. Yeah, it's a shame he got hurt. That's a real shame is a real shame real nice guy and you know what that was the one guy i know we talk a lot about the players from the world juniors we take away from and we talk about you know stutzlo with germany we talk about all the canadians and all the americans i gotta give it to marco rossi that team got crushed yeah and the goalie too and he gave it every single night and never a pout nothing i got i earned tons of respect for marco rossi coming out of that tournament we mentioned the question mark around the san jose sharks and i don't know what to say about them I have no idea what to expect about San Jose. I look at the lineup and I say to myself, how do I look at this lineup 
and then look at the performance because the two don't seem to sync up. What do you make of San Jose? First of all, you know, there's the story that broke a couple of days ago about Evander Kane, right? In the bankruptcy. That he was being sued and then he filed for bankruptcy. And I don't want to get into it too much. Like, it's not me personally, but I've seen bankruptcy firsthand and it it absolutely sucks. You know, I read the filing. Um, there's also a filing uh, from his former agents, Newport, uh, detailing how he owes them like over half a million dollars in commissions. It, it sucks. Like, there's no question about it. Just forget the circumstances for a second. I know everybody's got an opinion. When all that dirty laundry is out there, it absolutely sucks for you. Mm-hmm. Now, Bob Bugner was asked about it uh, today, Tuesday, and he said, look, as far as we're, we know, and Evander Kane has told us he's in all year and he's going to play because there was one thing in his filing about you know, not playing, opting out, or terminating his contract, and that caught both the NHL and the NHLPA by surprise because, first of all, the opt-out deadline had passed, and secondly, the Players Association would really have something to say about a player terminating a contract with five years and $29 million left on it. So from a hockey point of view, Bugner said that Kane had told them like he's all in. So, you know, we talked about before about teams that you want to see your guys get back to a certain level. You look at Kane, who signed for five years, including this one. You look at Carlson, who signed for a long time, including this one, $11.5 million. You look at Burns, who signed for five years, including this one. Vlasic, six years, including this one. Jones, four years, including this one. As much as anything else, what you need there is you need those guys to play. They have to be themselves. Those are not movable contracts in this day and age. And you simply have to say, okay, we need those guys to be who they're going to be. Now, the tough thing for San Jose is they're not starting the season at home. They're the one team in the National Hockey League that's not beginning the year in the market. And you've got that added uncertainty. And I heard on the call on the Players Association to accept the right to play, like the San Jose guys were the most vocal about it. Mm -hmm. I don't blame them. Like you, you don't know, this is all hard enough. So where are they as a group? I think Bugner has an additional challenge there. It's the one team that right now, as we start the season, they don't know when they can go sleep in their own beds. Everybody else can point at the schedule and say, yeah, I'm going to be sleeping in my bed tonight. These guys can't, and that adds another level. Like, they're good enough to make the playoffs. They are. I do not remember another season, probably in the last 20 years, Jeff, where there's been less of an expectation on this team. Because they're always supposed to be good. Always. St. Louis Blues, not that far removed from winning a Stanley Cup. The latest news around them is the signing of Mike Hoffman to the uh, one-year $4 million contract. Uh, We talked plenty on this podcast about the acquisition of Tory Krug as well. They brought in other players, and we think of the the Kyle Cliffords of the world, uh, redo the deal one year with Vince Dunn. I look at St. Louis, and even though we weren't asked about this for our uh, predictions for sportsnet.ca, when I'm looking at breakout players, players that are right on the cusp of really doing some damage in the NHL, 
with that acquisition of Hoffman, knowing that he's going to play with Robert Thomas on that second unit, yeah, I think to myself, this could be the year that Robert Thomas, and he's in the last year of his entry-level deal, this could be the year that Robert Thomas really hits it big. What do you think of St. Louis? They've got the same Stanley Cup odds as Washington, eh? Mm-hmm. It's a tough road. They got to go through Vegas and they got to go through Colorado. But I, I don't disrespect a team that's a year and a half removed from winning a Stanley Cup. Now, it'll be interesting to see just without Petrangelo, how does that change things? You know, he may not be the biggest talker, but he was a big part of that group. Bennington, he wasn't there in the playoffs last year. He's got to get back. I still like their team, though. And I'll tell you this. I, there was an interview with Tarasenko's agent in Russia where the agent was very unhappy that Tarasenko did not get a letter. I always wonder, is that just one of those things that appears in halfway around the world somewhere and then goes away? Yeah. Or is there a there there? By the way, uh, Tarasenko, uh, there was a there was a player this year that was um, uh, badly injured uh, in, I can't remember if it was ice hockey or ball hockey, and it was there was a GoFundMe uh, for him, and uh, Tarasenko uh, donated uh, three thousand dollars or something like that. Him or his wife did, and <laughs> they were talking about it in the same interview. Like he was almost embarrassed that it got out because hmm. he kind of wanted to do it privately. But you know, it was a very nice gesture, very good gesture of him. But you know, I always wonder, like those kinds of comments, like you know, my client's upset because he didn't get. Yeah. Um, the A, like, does that just go away? Is that just a one-day thing, or does that last anywhere? But he'll be coming back during the year, and that's a huge ad for them. Free player. I wouldn't count out the Blues. I, I like them a lot. I like their culture. You mentioned, yes. Uh, you mentioned Alex Petrangelo, uh, his new team, the Vegas Golden Knights. I put in there because you got to take shots at these things on our sportsnet.ca predictions. Yeah. For Norris Trophy, I put Shea Theodore. Uh, had him inside the top five of my picks last year. Um, Vegas has a real luxury. Vegas has a luxury of at any time, either Alex Petrangelo or Shea Theodore could be on the ice all game long. Yeah, That makes that team that much of a tougher out. Your thoughts on Vegas? I like their group a lot. I think it, it was a difficult offseason there. I, you know, um. You know, I, I think they've calmed it down. There was the flurry right from the moment the uh, Alan Walsh tweet hit uh, the Golden Knights. It was unstable at times, and and they really had to pull it back together. Um, there were players who were upset. Um, they didn't like all the rumors. Schmidt was a popular teammate. They hated to see him go. But then you get Petrangelo, and you're like, whoa, like that that's a hell of a player. You know, the one thing the Golden Knights have shown a very short period of time is that if there's a player out there that's going to make us better, we're in. Well, maybe you've made moves already. We don't care. That's a good player. They don't become available. Mm -hmm. They're in. Like if you told me they were in on Dubois, I would believe it because I think that's the kind of way that that team, oh, he's a good player. We should get him. We should get him. Yeah. Look, Fleury Leonard, they got good goaltending. They got a lot of players. Chandler Stevenson. Really underrated. I, I really l- liked them. Liked, liked them last year. I, I think they've got a really good team. What if that outdoor game on the pond next to Lake Tahoe turns into a brawl? 
between the Avalanche <laughs> and the Golden Knights. Oh, did you see that story of Andre Burakovsky speaking of that game? No, what did he say? Uh, he had to break the news to Pierre-Edouard Belmar that they're not actually playing on the lake. I'm excited about it. <laughs> yeah. I actually, like, I have never uh, skated on a lake my entire life. We're not I skating still... on a lake, though. Huh? It's not on the lake. It's not on a lake? No, it's beside the lake. No! Yeah. I thought it was on Lake Tahoe. We're playing on the 18th uh, fairway, bro. No! Take, I didn't even know. You can take it. Take, you can take For it. real? Oh, you just crushed my dreams. Oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> it's awesome. It's uh, it's it's really good. By the way, let's pause on that. What do you make of that? Uh, like, I love the the field of dreams. Like, I've I think you and I have talked about this before. I love the just take a rink and put it somewhere. Like, I know this is due to the situation that we're all in. So you know, you're not gonna put it in a stadium because you can't have any fans. So it doesn't matter where you put it. I just love the visual. I think it's fantastic. And here's what I'm doing in the future if I'm the NHL. If you do this again, and you say, look, next year we're doing it and fans can attend. Can't wait till those days happen. It's a contest to get a ticket. Tell us why you should have a seat at this game. So And so it's limited, limited numbers or these are just like the premium seats? Limited numbers. I love it. Like you open it, you, you open up some to season ticket holders, absolutely. Yeah. But I think it should be a contest. Okay, we're playing this game in Mystery Alaska. Do you want to be there? Tell us we have 5,000 tickets available. Yeah. Make your pitch. Campaign. Why should you get one of them? That's a great idea. I like that. Okay, let's move along because uh, we're being really greedy with people's time here on the podcast this week. To say nothing of being greedy about Amel's time, who has to edit all of this. Did we mention how much we love you, Amel? We're going to hit a break, though, first. Take a breath. Have a drink. We're back with the North Division. Because we haven't talked about the North quite enough here on this podcast, <laughs> we'll finish up with the North Division on 31 Thoughts to Pie. So. Oh man, this is a great band. You're listening to Scenic Route to Alaska. We've had them on the podcast before. Elliot, this song is called Polarized. This band is just so good. Uh, appropriate, they're from Edmonton. And so we are in the north. And we're going to get to the Oilers here in a second. Uh, but we'll begin with the Calgary Flames. And they brought in the Vancouver Canucks in the offseason. By that I mean Markstrom, Tanev, and Levo. Some new faces uh, around Calgary. What do you make of the Flames? I think Markstrom is going to do great things for them. 
I think Tanev is going to do very good things for them. Valimaki, that's a big one. He was trending in the right direction, got hurt. You just want to see that he's back to himself. But again, like a lot of other teams, I see Hannafin, I see Goodrow, I see Monaghan. You need those guys to be your flag bearers among them. Mm -hmm. And I just think you need them to be better. Your biggest improvement has to come from internal. I'll tell you this. I am rooting for Levo. He's had a tough go. Yeah, hurt last year. Like I, I heard the difference in money between him and the Canucks and the Flames was like 50K. And, you know, I, I can't blame guys for that. Like, you know, you're, you're squeezing everything you can out of your career while you still have a chance. And he's a guy who's desperately looking for an opportunity and some luck. I hope he gets it there. I just saw last year in goal when things went badly as a team, they lost their confidence. Markstrom's going to solve a lot of that problem. Long term, a tough contract, but for right now, I don't like know. like you can, you can understand why Vancouver may have looked at that and said, "Man, it's tough to let this guy go," but that that's a tough contract to sign. I know that the odds are that, but like I remember Lundqvist when he signed at thirty one, he got an eight year deal, and people were like, "That's stupid." And you know what? He lasted till almost all of it. You know, when did he really hit the wall last year? Can make the argument over the last... If his body is healthy, yeah, and that's an if, I understand that's the risk, I think Marshall can do it. Don't forget, like, you look at his career, and when did he really start playing a ton of games? It, w- it, wasn't, it wasn't until his mid to late 20s. Yes. But, but, but what was the theme, though? The theme was, there's no way this guy can play back-to-back. Remember coming out of Vancouver, was like, oh, you can't play it. And again, the analytics always say, you all, you dummy, you shouldn't play your goaltenders back-to-back. But it was, this guy's body's not going to handle back-to-back games. I mean, we'll see. Like, they're all a risk, but this guy had taken huge steps the last couple of years. Edmonton Oilers, have you ever had shoulder problems, Elliot? Yes. It's awful. I can, I every time I hear Oscar Clefbaum talk about playing with what he has in the past couple of seasons... I cringe because I've had shoulder issues too. He's gone for the season. That's one of the stories around the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, New faces coming in, whether it's uh, Tyson Berry, whether it's Kyle Turris, Dominic Cahoon. I love the Cahoon contract. I think that's a great deal. It's a really nice deal. Uh, Nice player. Yessi Pugliarvi feels like a new player, but he shouldn't. But there he is. What do you make of the Oilers? Well, obviously the goaltending. You look at that and you say, are they going to have enough goaltending to win? Ken Holland said today they're going to carry 9D. Yeah. At least at the start. I think this is going to be a fascinating team. They've obviously got elite, elite talent. You know, are they going to keep the puck out of the net? I thought the thing that was really interesting was that, you know, Taves just ate them alive in the faceoff circle and they went out and they got Kyle Turris. Like, I don't know what happened to Turris in Nashville. I think he is so much of a better player than that. I'm very curious to see what Turris does. Maybe coming back to Canada re-energizes him where he played his best hockey in Ottawa. I just can't believe the guy we saw in Nashville is is really Kyle Turris. Yeah. I, I don't get it. Go back to that Taves comment a second ago, because this is what the greats always do. We saw this with Sidney Crosby. You know, Connor McDavid spent 
a large part of the offseason doing? You know that, uh, yeah, what, doing face-offs? Face-offs. Yeah. Like, I don't know that he's going to get to the level that Crosby was at as quickly as Crosby got with face-offs. Crosby would get chewed up early. Can We all remember that story. And then that was it. He's just spent a summer, and it's just like, all right, another bucket, drop, 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 drop. Another bucket, drop, 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 drop. And Cindy Crosby became one of the premier face-off players around the NHL. Don't know that McDavid gets there, but you never doubt the greats. Hey, you know, people didn't think that Crosby was going to be good at it, right? That's it. And he became one of the best. All I can do is work at it. Anything more on Edmonton, Fridge? I want to see how much Bouchard plays. Right. Oh, they're carrying a lot of defensemen. Yep. And he and he's one of them. Montreal Canadiens uh, surprised the Pittsburgh Penguins. Surprised themselves, right? Trade deadline time. They're throwing in the towel. They find themselves Team 24. Uh, they make it in the bubble, beat the Penguins in the qualifying round, lose to the Philadelphia Flyers, and then Mark Bergevin goes to work. Jake Allen, Joel Edmondson, Tyler Toffoli, uh, Josh Anderson, uh, of recent note, Michael Frolik, Corey Perry, some new names, some new faces around Montreal camp. How We know they're different. How much better, if better at all, are they? See, what an advantage in this time to have an owner who says, go spend money. Because in a lot of sports, there's a lot of owners who are saying, no, you can't do that right now. Mm -hmm. And so what an advantage for Mark Bergevin and the Canadians that his owner said, go do that. Now, the only thing I wonder about with Montreal, and I kind of wonder about it with Toronto too, is if you look at their team, they've got so many players. Like, I remember Bruce Boudreau in, in 2010. The Capitals uh, go out, and at the deadline, they added Eric Belanger. They added Joe Corvo. They added Scott Walker. And, or this was around the trade deadline. And Boudreau said, I had too many players. Hmm. And he said, it affected us in the playoffs. And guys were mad. It affected the group. Like, that's the only thing I look at Toronto and Montreal and I say, is there a chance you could have too many guys? And the thing about Bergevin is, you know, he wanted Hoffman. I think he really wanted Hoffman. He couldn't make it work. I think he's in on Dubois. Is he going to be able to make it work? He just never stops. Because he's also like, if good players are out there, you have to try to get them. So I think he could do even more, providing he can create the room for it. I think this is going to be a really fascinating team to watch. They have a lot of good players. I don't think they're getting enough respect. I think they're good enough to win the Canadian division. I think Price, I saw he was ranked 11th among Vesna Trophy winners at one site, which I think is crazy. I think the Canadians have a chance to be really good. Are you hearing anything around Philip Deneau? I heard that, you know, Deneau had very high desires for a contract. And I just don't think they were willing to do what he wanted. Like I look at Montreal right now. And we all saw what Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kotkaniemi did in the playoffs. That's given Montreal Canadiens fans a real sense of hope for a key position, which they have struggled with for years. But here's Philip Deneau, 
who's turned himself into one of the best two-way players in the entire NHL. He's on most people's top five for Selkie. Safe to say, Fridge? Philip Deneau? Like one of the best two-way guys in the NHL. And it almost seems as if he's become the forgotten guy there. Like the Montreal Canadiens have the luxury of a player with a completely unique skill set in Philip Deneau. And they're going to hand a ton here to Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Where's the no fit into all of this? I think he goes out, he has a big year, and then they see where everything falls. Well, he's in the last year of his contract. But the thing is, like, he's a good two-way center, right? Yeah. Like, there's there's always room for those guys. Always room for centers. Every team. But the tough thing right now, and, and, and Jeff, like, the Avalanche said, and I believe this, Landeskog is going to retire an Avalanche. Mm-hmm. But I think that, the no fans and the cap situation, it's affected his negotiations. Ryan Nugent Hopkins in Edmonton, I think he wants to be an oiler, but the situation has affected his negotiations. Deneau would be no different. One of the reasons Patrick Laine wasn't traded was because teams are like, okay, we know we're going to have to give him. It's a flat cap for maybe years. Yeah. Like it's a challenge. Everybody's affected. So he's part of that group. No question about it. But if he goes out and he does what he does, it'll work out for him because that skill set is always necessary. All right, a few more teams here as we wrap up another edition of the podcast. Uh, Stepan, Dadnoff, Paquette, uh, Watson, Coburn, Goodbranson, Brown, Ottawa Senators. Well, I, I like what they did. You know, we talked about it with Detroit before. It's it's almost like too easy to beat you. Like, you know DJ Smith. His teams play hard, and I think they did play hard last year. But I think, again, like, when you're coming back, you want to make it harder on your opponents. Freach, can, can we pause for a second? Yeah. I look at this and I say, this is so much DJ Smith. Just the muscle that they've brought in, like, tough players to play against. You know, even like Paquette, like a tough and annoying guys to play against. It's almost, and it looks so much like a DJ Smith squad. And I say to myself, this is Ottawa saying, we have a lot of young kids here that are going to be given the room to develop. And they're going to be given the space. You know, but some of them are going to get big roles. Like you look at Josh Norris and Drake Batherson, they're with Brady Kachuk. Yep. And Stutzley is with two NHLers. Oh, wasn't Norris with Kachuk in the program? I think that was his center of the program too. Like they've they've played they've played together before, right? Because Matthew had uh, Matthews, Matthew Kachuk had Matthews, and Brady had Norris. Pretty sure about that. Anyway, continue. Okay, well there you go. And then you've got Stutzla with uh, Stepan and Dadnov. Like he's with two NHL players. Yeah. Those are two pretty good lines. Uh, it's a challenge for Norris, and I'm looking forward to seeing him get it. You know, Connor Brown, Anisimov, Tierney, as you mentioned, Paquette, Austin Watson, Galchenyuk. They have a lot of pros there. Yeah. And again, you know, their blue line, it's big. Good Branson, Coburn added to that group. Obviously, Shabbat. I mean, a big key is Matt Murray. He's got to regain his confidence. He worked with the goalie whisperer, Adam Francilia. Yeah. Generally, Francilia's got a very good track record for getting goalies back on. He's got another big one this year because I, I know he does work with San Jose. So, you know, he's spent a lot of time with uh, with their guys too, Martin Jones. But 
I just think the pure competitive nature of the, of the division is going to make it hard on Ottawa, but I think they're going to give people a rough ride. We haven't mentioned Colin White. He got a big deal last year. They need to see him True. You know, get back this year. But I do wonder if this is the year that Logan Brown gets moved. I've heard it. The Senators are wary of it. They think he's too talented to give up on. But I, I do wonder if you start to hear his name out there a bit more. The Maple Leafs, uh, Brown, a former first-round pick. They're the queen of Canada right now on the preseason market. Yep. Most people I know are picking them. I don't know how much more we can say about the Maple Leafs. And maybe it's just from me doing it every day at, on Hockey Central, but I don't know how much more we can say about the Maple Leafs at this point. You know, it's so funny. I got I got one guy who's like, uh, he always tells me, I'm so sick of Merrick talking about the Maple Leafs, just so you know. <laughs> you do realize I'm the host of a hockey show on a Toronto radio station. Yeah, I don't care. That's... I'm still ripping you. <laughs> All right, I'll talk more about Dallas Akins and the Duck. Former Toronto coach. I think we should talk about them a little bit here. I like Brody with Riley. I think that's good for Riley. I think Riley is going to get in-game rest that he didn't always get. And I think their forward lines, like, you know, you talk all about Thornton. I don't think Thornton's going to play every shift of every game with those guys. I think you're going to see moments where Hyman's out there or someone else is out there. And there's going to be somebody on that team whether it's Robertson or it's Barabanov or someone, maybe it's going to be Hyman and Mikheyev moving back up, Yeah, but there's going to be someone on that team right now is not starting in that top six who's going to end up there. A couple of more. One of the reasons I'm most excited about the North Division, the Canadian Division, is Canucks Twitter. I've poked enough. And fun every night it's going to be something. Weeks. I gotta give. I'm not break. making. Listen, I'm not. Ma- I'm not making fun. I'm just saying. To me, it's the most interesting Twitter group in the NHL. Nate Schmidt is in. Braden Holtby is in. Travis Hamonic is in. And we have questions about Travis Green and his contract. Your thoughts on Vancouver? Well, I just think Green will bet on himself because that's what he does. I'm sure he'd love to have it done, but when I when I see Green, I, I say, you know what? He likes to take chances on himself, and I think that's exactly what he's going to do: is bet on himself that uh, that he can do this. I think the Canucks. You know, I'm on the Pedersen Hart Trophy train. Yep, I think it's coming. I, I think he wins it sometime in the next little while. Number one for me is the goaltending, but number two, like their depth worked for them in the playoffs last year. Those guys, Beagle, Sutter, they really battled. They really, really battled. I just wonder if there is deep this year. I think there's some holes there in and around the lineup. Toronto's deep. Montreal is deep. I think they got some holes around their lineup. Mm -hmm. And who's going to step up and fill them? Thought on the net mining. We talked so much about how Vancouver was bailed out in some situations by Jacob Markstrom. Now, listen, you could have made the point the past couple of years, if you look at the body of work, not just from one year to one year, but like a complete two seasons, he may have been the best goaltender in the NHL. And they don't have that anymore. They go to Braden Holtby. We all know what Thatcher Demko was able to do specifically against Vegas uh, last year in the uh, in the playoffs in the bubble. Your thoughts on the net minding in Vancouver? Someone has to grab the net. Like we all talk about, oh, you have to have a tandem. I don't believe in that. Somebody has to be your number one goalie. Mm-hmm. 
the conservative way is to say Holtby's that guy, right? Yeah, that's why they brought him in. But I, no, no, no. See, I don't see it that way. I want to say to Demko, you're grabbing that net. Are you that guy? Like, maybe nobody's that guy, the way he played against Vegas. He was so good. But are you close to that guy? Is that a true picture of your ceiling? I want to know now. Now, you can't really do that a ton when you're in it to win it. The Canucks aren't interested in taking a step back or anything like that. So you can't really feel your way through it. But if I'm Vancouver, I'm sitting there and saying, I want to see Thatcher Demko grab that number one job by the throat and do it now. Yeah, You know, they had a few guys missing from their practice on Tuesday and Travis Green didn't know what their status was going to be for Edmonton. So you're already starting like that, which is, you know, a real challenge, a huge challenge. But I think the Canadian division is really split between teams that are almost too deep and teams that have real elite talent but holes. And I would put Vancouver in, in that, that group. We'll finish off with the Winnipeg Jets. Okay, answer this question. Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovic. Will one be traded, two be traded, or none traded? Well, Roslovic, I, I think, is going to get traded. You know, he's not going there, and he's just waiting. I Last I checked, it had been quiet. And watch, we'll record the podcast, and he'll get traded. <laughs> Line A, unless it's Columbus, I think more likely than not, he doesn't get traded this year. But I, I think he is going to have a massive year because I, I just think that it's the best thing that can happen to him and the team. The Jets have been through an awful lot. You know what they just need? They need a quiet year. Just play. Mm. Like if I could root for something for the Jets this year, it's a quiet year of just play. You know, and again, I think it's a team with with really good players. Jack Roslovic, the reason he wants out is he cannot play on the top six, maybe even top nine of this team. Yeah. They got good players. It's a good, you know, what I like, you want to like about the team? They have all in guys. Yeah. Like hockey, you always talk about hockey lifers. I mean, it's the name of Bruce Boudreaux's book, but I mean, there are guys that live it and breathe it, just like hockey fans do. Shifley's front and center there. Blake Wheeler is front and center there. I know it can kind of grind on other teammates if you're not that guy. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But just from my perch, give me a team of lifers all day long. Because, you know, like even they're out of the playoffs. These guys are still all about hockey. And they, they draft well and they develop well and they scout well, like the Pion thing. It, that was good. You know, it, yeah. Yeah. It just shows you that they, they know players. I got to tell you one thing, actually. I was really surprised nobody took Oliver Shillington on waivers. He was the one guy that stood out for a lot of people, and that's mainly because of the skating. Yeah. Like, you, you look at Shillington's skate, it's glorious. I've always maintained, I think you're on the same page, you can skate like that, you have a job for life. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised, too, that no one took a flyer on Shillington. Okay, so we're looking forward to the season. I know it's been a challenging year for everybody. Everybody's year is messed up. Everybody is out of sync. Everybody is doing things they didn't think that they were going to have to do. Everyone's lives have been turned upside down. I'm excited for you that hockey is coming back for a couple of reasons. One, I love hockey. And two, 
I think that this is important for people at the end of the day, even for no other reason than to remind us what time feels like. And by that, I mean to have something to look forward to and a reason to look at your watch and say, we're five hours away from a hockey game. That at the end of these days, and a lot of people's days are brutal. Um, if you're a healthcare worker, you know exactly what I'm talking about. People that work at the grocery store, people that are teaching either at home, on video, you know what your, we know what your days are like, you know what your days are like. And if for no other reason than to have a little treat at the end of a tough day, I'm happy that hockey's back for each. Let's end it on that. I can't say any better. Great job. And we'll leave you with this. From a band we've already featured multiple times on this podcast and early on as well. This is Call Your Friends from their fifth album, Time For Yourself. Here's Scenic Route to Alaska. Enjoy. All of a sudden Call your friends. Say hello. <laughs> Dreaming in darkness, swimming in silence. 